ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ ਜੀ ਕਾ ਖਾਲਸਾ ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ ਜੀ ਕੀ ਫਤਿਹ First of all I'd like to congratulate everyone on the beautiful divan that we're having today and wish everyone a happy bandi chhod divas and a happy diwali It's around this time of year that there's a particular argument that we always tend to hear and the argument is usually something along the lines of Sikhs have nothing to do with Diwali Sikhs only celebrate Bandi Chhod Divas and Diwali is something that's only relevant for the Hindu community and the story of Diwali Ram Sita Ravan Hanuman all those things are all ancient mythology that have no relevance to our lives and the only reason that we happen to celebrate is because guru hargobind sahib ji and the story related to guru hargobind sahib ji happened to coincide with the same time of year so today i want to look at whether there's any truth in that argument and look at why during the guru's times and amongst all sikh scriptures the original diwali story seems to actually be quite prevalent so i want to explore that idea with you and i want to see what the relevance of the original diwali story is and give you a little bit of background as to what the connection is between sikhi and the original story of diwali Now everyone knows the story of the Bandi Chhod Divas. We've all heard the story. And we seem to have generated amongst the panth almost a phobia of talking about anything that's relevant to Ram, Sita, Ramayana, anything to do with those sort of things. But when we look at scripture, when we look at Gurbani, we find that this story actually is quite prevalent and this story gets repeated again and again in certainly in maharaj sri guru granth sahib ji all of the key characters of the ramayan story are mentioned ram sita lakshman ravan all of these characters are mentioned in Sri Dasam Granth Sahib ji you may be surprised to learn that the entire Ramayana story has been written several hundred verses have been given dedicated where Guru Gobind Singh ji writes the entire story not just the story that we know but how the story began and what happens after the event of Diwali as well it appears in Bani a composition known as the Chobis of Tar the 24 incarnations of Vishnu the 20th incarnation is the story of Ram Rama is described there as one of the incarnations of Vishnu and straight away people can start feeling quite uncomfortable when you start talking about these things we can look at Bani even further by Gurdas Diwara by Gurdas ji writes the story of Ramayana 
and dedicate several verses to explaining the meaning of it. So this connection between Sikhi and the Diwali story actually goes quite far back. It isn't something new. So I want to explore where this connection comes from. The Ramayan story is said to be authored by a very holy man known as Balmiki. Balmiki lived in a town which is now called Ram Tirat. And people visit that every year as a site of pilgrimage. And the story goes that Sita, after the entire Ramayan story, went to visit Balmiki and stayed with Balmiki in Ram Tirat. The town of Ram Tirat is just 11 kilometers west of Amritsar. It's actually in Punjab, right on the doorstep of Sri Harmandar Sahib. So there is a very long history of a connection between the land of the Sikhs, the language of the Sikhs, the Gurbani of the Sikhs, and this story. Pai Gurdas Ji says, Ramayana Jug Jug Atal Se Udre Jo Aye Sharana. The story of Ramayana is throughout the ages true, permanent true. It's always been there. The message of it is something that is always going to be relevant. Se Udre Jo Aye Sharana. Whoever goes into the Sharan of this Ramayana story, they will be saved. Now, this is one of the most respected saints within the Sikh tradition, one of the most respected people saying that you have to understand the meaning of this story. Let's move forward some 150 years later. You may have heard of Gavi Santok Singh Ji, again, a highly respected Sikh scholar. He has translated around the 1830s, again, the entire Ramayana story has been translated into Braj Pasha, the, the language of the Dasam Granth, in Gurmukhi script. So my question to you is, why have all of these saints, gurus, gursiks felt that it's important for us to know the Ramayana story? And why is it that today we seem to have completely ignored that history of ours? So some of you may be familiar with the story, but together I'd like us to go on that adventure together. It's quite a fascinating story. The story starts with a king named Dashrat, who lives in a land called Ayodhya. Dashrat is a wealthy, powerful king, and he has four sons with several different wives. One of his sons is Ram. Ram, when it is time for him, goes to marry a princess by the name of Sita. And the way he marries that princess is because she is so beautiful and so desired amongst all the princes, her father Janak 
says, Only the person who can pick up this bow, the bow of Shiva, and fire this bow, only they have the strength to marry my daughter. So all the princes gather from all the different towns. And one of the people who's there to win the heart of Sita is a prince called Ravan. And none of them managed to pick up the bow. Ram, who is already known by that time as an incarnation of God, picks up the bow. And at, at the attempt of firing it, with his own sheer strength, he breaks the bow of Shiva. And everybody sees that this is the ultimate prince and only he has the right to marry someone as amazing as Sita. As Ram comes back to Ayodhya with his bride, one of his stepmothers, the mother of one of Ram's stepbrothers, convinces King Dashrat to not let Ram become the next prince. She says that, let my son become the king of Ayodhya. Dashrat is committed to all of his wives. He cannot turn any of his wives down. And he agrees reluctantly. With a heavy heart, he agrees. Not only has Ram's stepmother said, don't make Ram the king, she says, get rid of Ram. Exile him from the kingdom of Ayodhya. For 13 years, he should never return. Ram agrees. He agrees to the wishes of his father. And he decides to leave. Sita, being a devoted wife, says, I won't go anywhere without you. I will join you. Ram and Sita, newly married, are exiled. And one of Ram's younger brothers, Lakshman, also goes with them. For 13 years, they are banished to the forest. Lakshman is yet unmarried. During this time in the forest, Ravan has a sister who has a desire to marry Lakshman. And she approaches Lakshman several times to say that I wish to marry you. And the story goes that Lakshman was completely reluctant. And the metaphor that is used is that the sister of Ravan, her nose has been cut. Now, whether you take that literally or metaphorically, that the rejection alone means that her nose has been cut. She goes away empty-handed. This leaves Ravan in an absolute fury of rage. Ravan says that I will take vengeance. Who do these people think they are? I am such a powerful sage. I am the king of kings. I am the king of Lanka, the kingdom of Lanka. All the gods bow down to me. All the demon gods bow down to me. Ravan is known as quite a big sage, a sadhu, a big meditator. So he knows that he has the strength to take down Ram. 
and he goes to try and capture Sita. For 13 years, Sita is completely oblivious to the fact that she's in a forest. The forest and kingdom is completely irrelevant to her because for 13 years she sits in meditation and meditates on her husband Lord Ram. On the turn of the 14th year, Sita gets distracted. Ravan, in order to capture Sita, conjures up a plan. He gets his friend who has magical powers to turn himself into a golden deer. Sita sees the golden deer and she asks Ram, she comes out of her meditation and she asks Ram, go hunt this deer for me, I want that golden deer. I've never seen something as beautiful as a deer made of gold. Ram is reluctant to leave Sita. He says, this is a dangerous forest. I cannot leave you alone. But ultimately, Sita is so persuasive. She says, go, I want to have this, this golden deer. Ram leaves and Lakshman both leave. But just before they leave, they draw a circle around Sita. <laughs> And they say, stay within this circle and you shall be protected by Ram's strength, by his magical powers. In the meantime, while Ram and Lakshman are hunting this deer, Ravan, through his magical powers, has converted himself into the disguise of a yogi, a begging yogi. And he goes to Sita and he says, Sita, please help me, I have... <laughs> In the old days, yogis and meditators walked around India just meditating and they would gather from house to house, they would gather food. Sita thinks she's doing something very helpful to help a holy man. So she steps out of the protective ring, the protective circle. And as soon as she does, Ravan captures her and flies away over to his kingdom in Lanka. Ram returns to find Sita missing and he enlists the help of a set of monkey tribes led by a brave warrior called Hanuman. And in order to get over to Lanka, Lanka is an island. The entire island is the fortress of Ravana. And as you see even in Western culture, in historic castles here, all castles have a moat to stop the enemy from coming in. It is said that Lanka was such a big kingdom that the ocean dividing India and Lanka was the moat. And Ram and his armies decided, how do we cross this ocean? They come up with a plan that to take a stone and write the name of Ram on there and place it on the water and the stone miraculously floats. And like this, they place hundreds and hundreds of rocks with the name of Ram on there and they build a bridge to Lanka. And there is a big battle and ultimately Ravan is destroyed. 
Every time Ram tries to kill Ravan, every time he tries to injure Ravan, he, he realizes that Ravan cannot be injured. Ravan is known as a demon god with ten heads and twenty arms. Every time Ram shoots to try and decapitate one of the heads of Ravan, another head grows. Every time he cuts an arm of Ravan, another arm grows. In the end, he realizes that Ravan can only be killed by being shot at the navel. Ravan is killed. Ram and Sita return at the end of their 13 years of exile in the 14th year. They return to Ayodhya and all the people celebrate. And this is the story of Diwali. That the people welcoming Ram and Sita back they lined the streets with lights and they welcomed them back. And there was a great celebration. Now this is a story. In English we might say this is myth. This is legend. And Gurbani references this story. Now when Gurbani references this story, it isn't interested in the validity of the story. It isn't trying to scrutinize whether this story is accurate, whether there is any historical evidence of this story. This story is said to have happened in Treta Yug, millions of years ago. So Gurbani, when it references this story, doesn't question whether this is something that we should look at as being real or not. But it does question people's faith in this story. Guru Tegh Bahadurji says that if you see Ram as a god, in Salok Mahala Nova he says, Ram Gayo, Ravan Gayo, Jako Bhav Parvar. Ram is gone now. Where is this Ram that you're still worshipping? Even a king as great as Ravan, even he's gone. Gurbani talks about Sarab Soen ki Lanka Hoti, Ravan Se Adkai. There was a big, beautiful kingdom with lots of gold. Such a beautiful kingdom, such a rich kingdom you've never seen before. And it says, where are those elephants and horses? Where are all of those? Where have they gone? In just an instant, they now belong to someone else. So it talks about, don't believe this story, understand the meaning behind this story. Guru Gobind Singh Ji says something even further. He says, if you believe that this Ram is something worthy of worship, it says, Jo kaho Ram ajon ajayata. If you call Ram ajonni, we know what that word means, beyond birth. If you call him ajay, cannot be conquered. Kahe ko koshal kokh jayuju. If Ram is a Joni and never been born, then why in the story is he born to Mother Koshalya? Why does he come from the womb of Mother Koshalya? So Guru Gobind Singh Ji is questioning people. He's saying, 
this story isn't about a Ram that you have to worship the central character of this story. Because he says that this Ram can't be the ultimate. Gurbani says time and time again, do not worship that which has been created or can be destroyed. Anything that is temporary is not worthy of worship. Only worship that which is beyond these things. So Guru Gobind Singh Ji questions, okay, O oh people, if you're stuck within this story, if you believe the validity of this story, then the central character of there, by definition, cannot be a God. Because your definition of a God, my definition of a God, is something that is unborn and undying. Where is that God now? Where is Rama? Where is Sita? Where is Ravan? So this is a story. Kahani hai. Te kahani da matlab e honda. Kahani. That which is told. A message which is passed through the oral tradition. That's the meaning of Kahani. And when we take the story literally, we get lost in the detail. And this is where the Panth is today. We take one look at this story and we say, no, it's nothing to do with us. There's no Gurmat in this story. My question to you is, if there's no Gurmat in this story, then why is Guru Mat teaching us this story? Why does Guru Granth Sahib Ji mention this story? Why has the entire story been written by Guru Gobind Singh Ji in Siddhita Granth? Why does Pai Gurdas Ji mention this story? The truth is, behind this story there is a great message. What we need to do is we need to unfold this message. And we need to extract the real meaning. The meaning that's within the lines. You have to read between the lines of the story. And if you want to understand this story in great depth, you have to understand yourself. If you don't understand yourself from a deeper level, then you will not understand this story from a deeper level. This story is actually about an internal battle within you. This is a story of something that has happened and is happening inside you right now. It is a battle between mind and awareness between man and chit, between divine and ego, between nam and maya. So let's look at this story again. But now we will apply the prism of Gurmat and we will see the clarity of what is behind this story. The story begins with Dasharat the king, the father of Ram. Dasharat, in the Vedic traditions, they talk about ten senses, ten indriya. Dasharat is a state of mind where the ten indriya are destroyed. 
It is a place of being, a place of mind, a state of being, where there is no senses, beyond senses. Dashrat is the king of Ram, the father of Ram. Dashrat lives in Ayodhya. Yod means battle, conflict. Ayod means no conflict, no battle. So the story is about a state of mind where within you there is no conflict. When you reach a state of no conflict, no battles, no kalesh. When we start using our words, words that we're familiar with, then we can see that there is actually a synchronicity between these stories. Simar 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 sukhpavo kal kalesh tan mahimitavo. Meditate to the point at which all kalesh, all battle, all conflict within your body has been eradicated. The opening lines of Sukhmani Sahib. This story is talking about the beginning of this story starts from that state of mind. That state of mind gives access to Ram. Ram is the son of that state of mind. And that which is even deeper than that state of mind is Jyot. This story is a story of your Jyot. Your inner light. That inner light is Ram. You can call it light. You can call it awareness. You can call it life. You can call it Dhyan. You can call it consciousness. Ram is describing pure consciousness, pure Jyot within you. Guru Nanak Dev Ji says, Ghat ghat rav rahaya alak apare ram. Within each and every heart, there is this unseeable, infinite ram. There is a light, a jyot, within every single being. Ghat ghat rav rahaya. It's merged within you. It's not something that you have to borrow from someone else. It's not something that has to grow within you. It's not something that's dormant. It's there. It's shining brightly in all of us. But it is unseeable, alak. And it is infinite. You can't pinpoint where is it. As soon as you try and point it, you realize that it's wrong. Manne ki gat kahi na jaye, je ko kahe piche pachtaye. The people who are at the state of manne, which Japji Sahib talks about. Guru says that those people, you can't define them. Whatever you say about them is wrong. You can't write it down. The state, the avastha you might call it, of that person who is in that state. Ram is talking about that. Sita 
is that which has married Ram. Sita represents mankind, human, body. If we are made up of jyot, soul, spirit, we're also made up of a sarir. Sita is the point at which all jyot and body, soul and physical merge. When Sita and Ram get married, that is what it's talking about. You know the story of Sita? All of it's covered in the Ramayana. It says that Sita wasn't born from a mother's womb. Sita was born from earth. She came out of the earth. And when it was time for her to die, the earth opened up and she went back in. Initially, that might sound ludicrous. The Sikhs turn around and say, you see, this is why we don't listen to this story. It's all imaginary. It's all make-believe. But let's apply the lens of Gurmat. Kabir mati ke hampu tare manas rakhyo nao. Kabir ji says, we are made of earth. We are puppets of clay. Mati ke hamputre. Manas rakhyo nao. And the name that has been given to us is mankind. That is what Sita represents. Ram marries Sita. And as soon as Ram marries Sita, he is exiled from that state of Ayodhya. As soon as light has come into humans, as soon as that jyot has come into humans, we have fallen from that state of divine awareness. From that state of purity. Ram lived in that state of purity. That jyot, before it was given to you, before you were born, before mankind was around, Ram lived in a state of ultimate bliss, purity, in a state of supreme consciousness, divinity, jyot, life, light. As soon as man was introduced, as soon as you were born, that jyot was brought into you. And as soon as that happens, instantly you are expelled. This is the game of Taran. Bani says this again and again. When you were in your mother's womb, you were meditating. As soon as you were born, you were introduced to the world, that connection was broken. And that is what Ram and Sita getting married and being exiled from the land of Ayodhya represents. And they are banished into a dark jungle, a world full of darkness, noise and distractions. That's this world. We are in that jungle now. For 13 years, Sita is oblivious to the jungle. Now there's two ways that you can take this. We talk about the origin of mankind being Satyug. And in Satyug, everyone was in a state of meditation. You can look at a child, a small child, for the first few years of his life, is oblivious to the world. 
He is in a state of euphoria for no reason. Children are in Anand all the time. Sita was in the same state, meditating for 13 years on Ram. She was unaffected by the distractions of the world, the jungle-like world. But the turning point of the story is the point at which Sita is distracted from her meditation. The, the point at which the physical material world becomes attractive to her. This is Maya. The golden deer represents Maya. When Sita breaks her awareness from Ram, she's attracted to gold, to beauty, materialistic things. And this happens with us. Humankind has moved away from being in Satyug. We are now in a world of distractions, Kaljug. And the same happens to each and every human being. At certain points in their life, the world now becomes attractive to them. Young children start asking for things. At first, they were only meditating on their mother, on their creator. Children know nothing else but their creator in the initial years. Then the world becomes attractive to them. Toys, games, distractions. This is Sita coming out of her meditation and saying, Ram, you can go away now, go get me one of those. And we all do this. And as soon as Sita does this, she's broken her connection. Now the jungle starts becoming real. We are in that jungle. But Ram doesn't want to let us go that easily. Ram has drawn a line around Sita, says, I'll go, but you stay here. Don't you go anywhere. Don't you take your awareness somewhere else. That line, that circle that Ram draws around Sita is called Ram Kar. Have we heard that word? Tati vau na lagai par brahm sharnai chaugird hamare ramakar dukh lagai na pai. Guruji is saying that the hot winds cannot touch you when you are in the sharan of the divine, par brahm sharnai, when you are in the sanctuary of the divine. Chaugird hamare ramakar, in all four directions I am in the protective circle. If I stay within this circle, if I stay within meditation, if I stay within Nam Simran, the jungle cannot touch me. But Sita steps out of that jungle, steps out of the circle, steps out of the Guru's protection, the protection of meditation, the protection of Nam Simran, voluntarily. And as soon as she does, she is captured. This is now the central character of the story, Ravan. Ravan is ego. As soon as your awareness goes from meditation into the world, instantly ego has got you. But ego isn't something that grabs you. Ego is something we voluntarily go towards. 
And ego is always in a disguise. You cannot recognize what ego looks like. Ravan has ten heads. And the ego has many different disguises. If you think you've dropped one ego, you're in another ego. If you think, I'm a monna, I'm a sejdari, I don't mean anything, I'm a papi, that's an ego. As soon as you start growing your kesh, you become a bit more religious. You say, look at those people. A different ego. Then you may be blessed with amrit. That too doesn't destroy your ego straight away if you're not careful. That's a different ego. And how many times have we seen this again and again and again? You see people who think that they've changed, but internally they haven't understood themselves. They're just externally changing. Where you used to go to nightclubs, where you used to go to drinking, and consuming narcotics with one group of friends, you've now gone to a different Sangat, to the Guru Sangat, and now you go to Rehansapais and you stay out all night doing Kirtan programs. These are fantastic things to do, but has no impact on you if you are not willing to address what's inside you. If you keep going to Kirtan programs, keep going to Sangat, it will have an impact on you. But if you go within yourself, that impact of that kirtan, the impact of the nitname, the impact of that bani instantly makes sense. This is what this story is telling us. You might call yourself a sinner, that's an ego. You might call yourself a saint, that's an ego. There's only one that has a pure face, that's the face of Ram. The light within you doesn't have multiple faces, it's ikajot, one light. Ram doesn't have many faces. Otherwise the story doesn't make sense. If Ram is such a powerful God, why doesn't he have multiple faces? We have to look beyond the story. Only Ravan has multiple faces, many arms, many disguises. Only Ravan uses these tricks to get around you. And this is the turning point of the whole story. This is the crux of the story. After that, we see that the story is all about Ram coming to collect Sita. And there's something so beautiful in this message. This isn't the story of Ravan. This isn't the story of Sita. This isn't the story of Lakshman nor of Hanuman. Once the ego has got us, Ram comes to collect us. Sita can't do anything on her own. Ravan can't do anything on his own. He's sitting there waiting, knowing that Ram is going to come. All the ego can do is surround itself in a fortress, Lanka. Each man is an island unto himself. Ravan is our ego. Sita is us being trapped, stuck on the island. What does Sita do when she's sitting in Lanka? She starts to meditate on Ram. Ram, in order to cross over this ocean, has to write the name onto a stone. 
the name of Ram is written on every single boulder, every rock. And as soon as Nam is written on a stone, the stone begins to float. Bhagat Nam Devji talks about this. Deva Pahan Tariyale Ram Kahet Jan Katanatare. The Dev has made a stone float. How does the stone float? We are the stones. We are the things that are drowning. What is it that will make our black, dark, cold hearts awaken? Ram. Ram kehete janakatanatare. When you recite Ram, anyone who has recited Ram, anyone who has remembered the Divine, anyone who has remembered Akal Purukh, Vahiguru, Paramatma, Allah, why should they not be saved? Katanatare, Bhagat Nam Devji is saying, as long as you meditate, there's no reason for you not to be saved. Every stone whose name was written on, who had the name of Ram written on it, every stone floated. Each and every one of us can be saved. And the story goes that Ram, in order to kill Ravan, had to shoot at the navel because no other point could destroy Ravan. An ego cannot be destroyed by the superficial layers of ego that we understand. What do we understand about our ego? Most people think that ego is just an extension of pride. Ego itself is a very deep subject that needs to be looked into. And the story says that you cannot just destroy the ego by saying, oh, I'm no longer going to pubs and I'm only going to go to the Gurdwara. That alone doesn't destroy your ego. That's just a very superficial layer. Ego isn't destroyed by saying, I no longer cut my hair, I'm going to grow my hair. That isn't going to solve this problem of ego. We must go inside ourselves, we must understand ourselves, and you have to destroy ego the way Ram destroys Ravan by going at the root of the individual, going at the root of the problem. You have to go to the mool. Man, tu jyot sarup hai apna mool pachan. Oh mind, you're not what you think you are. You're actually divine light. But you have to go deep and you have to recognize that. Finally, when Ram conquers Ravan, and brings Sita back, this is where all the celebrations happen. The marriage, the merger is together again. And this is the point at which most people stop the story. This is the point to celebrate. But the story doesn't end there. The story goes that very soon after Ram brings Sita back to Ayodhya, he banishes her. Now the story comes up with whatever reasons. But even in this there is something beautiful. 
when you have conquered the ego, when the ego has been destroyed, then that divine light within you now cannot be tied down to even your own body. The ego is gone and all that remains of your identity is your divine identity. You are now no longer restricted to this physical body. And all of the shahids, all of the gursiks, the gurus, the pagats, they are a living example of this. They were beyond the body. They were pure light. They did not recognize themselves as being li limited to this body. <coughs> Diwali is a, a moment of, re of remembrance for us. Shaheed Baba Mani Singh Ji was made Shaheed over Diwali. But what we have to remember is what was so amazing about him? What was so amazing about Tan Baba Deep Singh Ji? Tan Baba Taru Singh Ji? Pai Mati Das, Pai Sati Das, Pai Diyala Ji, Guru Arjan Dev Ji, Guru Teg Bahadur Ji. What was so amazing about them? was they lost their attachment to their body. The Ram within them exiled Sita. The light within them said, take this body. There is nothing that you can do now that I have conquered my ego. Now that Ravan has been destroyed, he will never come back. The divine light within us is the ultimate thing that we must focus on. That divine light that is in you, is in everything else, is the ultimate light. Sab me jyot, jyot hai soe, tis te chanan, sab me chanan hoe. How do we get that? Gur sakhi jyot pargat hoe. And this is the true celebration of lights. This is the celebration of lights. This is the festival of light. The destruction of the ego. The shining of your own light. We have to abandon our own bodies, our own selfish desires, our own egos, our own attachments. We must become the embodiment of that ultimate light. We are the embodiment of that light. Man tu jyot sarup hai. It doesn't say tu sarup bano. It doesn't say become the light. It says you are that light. Apna mool pachan. Pachanan dikale. Recognition is the only obstacle. We have to recognize that we are that light, that everyone is that light. And then we must become that light in this dark world. Otherwise, what is the point of followers of such a great Guru? Rather than playing to these discriminations, this division, that we are Sikh, they are Hindus. We are Sikh, they are Muslims. 
nothing to do with us. Don't identify us with them. We don't want anything to do with that people. Rather than playing to these discriminations, when we recognize that we are light, everything is light, we must become a beacon of light. Otherwise, what is the point of us sitting and learning the Guru Sakhi? What is the point of us being in the Divan, in the Hazuri of such a great divine light as Tantan Sri Guru Granth Sahib Ji? We have to become that light that we may share the meaning of this light to every other person on the planet. We have to explain the Ramayana story because we understand it to ourselves, to our community, to other communities. Let us become that light. Let yourself be such a shining example of the Guru's Sakhi, the Guru's Siksha, the Guru's teachings, that the world will look at us and say, this really is the ultimate truth. If I've said anything to offend, I apologize, that's not my intention. If I've said anything that goes against what your understanding is, please forgive me, I'm still learning, I'm still a student. And let's use this opportunity to not create divisions between each other, either within the Panth or within the greater mankind. There is no need for us to divide ourselves to say that we don't belong to those communities. Go and belong to those communities. Go and teach. When Christ had the point at which he had to leave his disciples, his instruction to each of his disciples, once he had shone the light within them, he said, go to every corner of the world and teach this message. We've stuck within our little world. We're only interested in our community, in our land, in our politics. Become the light. Share the light. And you will merge with the divine light. Vaheguru Ji Ka Khalsa, Vaheguru Ji Ki Fatah.